everybody and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast, conversations with creatives, entrepreneurs, thinkers and dreamers who also happen to be surfers. My name's Imi and I am your host. Today I'm really stoked to introduce you to my guest, the Ocean Rider Peter Faber. Peter has built a life around surfing ever since he discovered the sport. In fact, this is one of the reasons he became a digital nomad and set up shop in the Canary Islands, where he started one of the first co-working spaces on the archipelago. I'll let you discover what Peter got up to over there and how he's now built a business that revolves around surfing. Today, Peter runs a successful incentive travel agency called Surf Office and is creating tools and trips for teams that are either spaced out geographically or too busy to get up, get to know each other and build an effective work relationship. In fact, Peter's business is even more relevant today, where the number of remote workers is on an exponential rise. In this episode, Peter shares a few tips for genuine team building and talks about his other side hustle, Surfpreneurs Club. It's an online community for surf-related businesses that he's developing. Oh yeah, and we also get to talk about Peter's second passion, which is building tiny homes. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Peter Faber. Hello, Peter, and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. How are you today? Hey, I'm good. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) It's a pleasure. I guess before we start, do you think you could introduce yourself to the listeners and explain how you see yourself as an ocean rider? How I see myself as an ocean rider? Well, my connection with surfing was like probably everybody had just trying to surf in the ways having the first surf lesson and then continue. And then this passion like for it started as a sport, but later it evolved into more like a lifestyle and, and traveling and meeting friends and so. And the last stage for me that was that it, it evolved into, into a business. And I started a couple of years ago, I started a business called Serve Office that combines surfing with team building activities. So we basically what we do, we organize company retreats for startups, tech companies, digital agencies from Europe and US Mm -hmm. that want to go somewhere for a few days for a company retreat offsite. Uh, That's not always, but usually it's it's combined with surfing. So they have some surf lessons as team building activities. Lovely. And I guess before we sort of dive into Surf Office, where are you from originally? I'm originally from Slovakia. Wow. There is no surfing, there are no waves. (laughs) 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 what kind of family did you grow up in was it an adventurous family or did you spend a lot of time in nature to be attracted to surfing yeah i was a city person i grew up in the capital of this small country slovakia in bratislava that's the name of Mm -hmm. the capital and i was kind of nature person i used to go a lot to the mountains i've been always passionate about hiking i still am and it was around like when i was 21 i discovered surfing and that was actually the perfect combination for me to combine ocean and and the mountains and if i have enough of these two i'm like my life is in perfect balance (laughs) fantastic and what was your first job oh that's a that's a good question i don't remember actually because there i started with so many like this small small gigs or Mm -hmm little jobs that you don't even remember what was the first real job but 
I must say like my first full-time job was working in e-commerce. I was uh, responsible for for managing the websites and, and online stores. Wow, that's really cool. And could you tell us why you moved to the Canary Islands in 2014? Yeah, that was, as I said, I started more in the online e-commerce and then I moved more into, into design and I was designing the user interfaces of the softwares and mobile apps. And at the time I lived in Prague and I just realized that, well, all this work, what I'm doing, I can do it remotely. I don't need to be in cold Prague <laughs> where it's minus 10 or 20 degrees sometimes during the winter. I'm anyway working in front of my computer and the people I work with, they're also like, behind the screen, like developers and, and other designers. So I just proposed to my boss, if I can try working remotely for a couple of months. And my plan was to move to Canary Islands. But I had another idea. <laughs> that was not the only reason. I had this idea for this project, ServOffice, what at that time was a co-living, co-working space. So I started this in Canary Islands as a side project while I was still working full-time as a designer. That's really cool because like co-working was just starting out at that time. You must have been a pioneer in that field. I must say that co-working was uh, quite uh, developed around Europe and US. It was still not mainstream, but what was definitely very new was co-living. So that was a that was a new trend. To be honest, when I when I started it, I didn't think about it this way that it's a co-working or co-living. I just started to call it later after <laughs> after a few months when our first guest told us like, "Hey, this is a co-living. This is a co-working. You should call it this way." I was like, "Okay," <laughs> because the first idea was just to create a place for similar people as I was who wanted to live next to the beach surf and they were able to work remotely so they just needed accommodation and they needed some workspace where they can work and that was the first idea and obviously it was very niche like surfers calling yeah. working <laughs> in canary islands very very niche but also very strong that was also maybe the reason why the experience was fantastic we had like the first guests that visited us were like very core fans and and supporters of the of the concept and of course it later it evolved more into broader market excellent and what was it like being a digital nomad six years ago <laughs> so being a digital nomad yeah that was another term i didn't i didn't know somebody told me like hey we are digital nomads <laughs> <laughs> i was like what are you talking about what digital nomad <laughs> And then I started to Google it and it really started at the time that first people started to call themselves digital nomads. Yeah, so this term is very, is very weird. I never called myself digital nomad, but yeah, that's, that's the description now of the people who can work remotely while traveling. And yeah, I think we were lucky at the time that this trend was just growing. I didn't think much about it when we started. I just saw like, yeah, I didn't see the reason that why I have to be in the office somewhere in Prague if I can work remotely and be in Canary Islands. And I thought that there will be probably more people like me. Yeah. But I didn't think about this being a, such a huge trend 
And I thought like, oh, maybe in 10 or 15 years, this will be more common. But it actually, it was very fast. In two or three years, it became kind of like a mainstream or very popular trend. That's, that's amazing. And could you describe what your co-working and co-living space looked like in the Canary Islands? Uh, it was very, very MVP. So I called this first version as a prototype. So it was basically an apartment with a couple of rooms and people stay in these rooms and the common area of the apartment we redesigned as a workspace. What means that we had there a few desks and made a good internet connection and that's it. It was more about the community and the people who came and they were all coming from different countries, different places, but they have a lot of things in common and created like very cool vibe. So I don't think at that time, like the infrastructure was very, very important, yeah. but as more people started to come, also the, the infrastructure evolved. So we started to rent more apartments, but it was not possible to rent like apartments in the same building. So we just rented apartments in other buildings. And then we thought like, okay, I, where is going to be the workspace? Because all these people need to work and they don't fit into common area, living room of one of the apartments. So we just rented like separate workspace in the area. So it was very distributed from the beginning because usually when you say like co-living space, you probably imagine some house or yeah. some buildings where all people live together. And here people lived in kind of like hubs in small apartments in each apartment. There were like three, four, five people. And then they all met in the co-working space. That's excellent. And that actually leads me to Surf Office, which is your main business right now. Could you describe in detail what Surf Office offers and what your mission is? Uh -huh. Yeah, as, as I described now with the co-working, co-living space, that was the model we had for the first three years. And already during that time, we had like a lot of companies contacting us saying like, hey, we like your concept, but we are not digital nomads. We, we are just a team of 10 developers and we want to come to Canary Islands and have a team of site. Can you do that for us? And I was like, yeah, of course. And we started first, like we had this type of groups, this type of companies once every three or four months it was not the core business but then at some point we started to get more of them but we didn't communicate on our website that we are hosting company retreats they were just like coming mm -hmm. and i was like okay there must be interesting opportunity here and i started to think like yeah if we switch just to this model what we are doing now we are helping companies to organize retreats and offsites we can scale this business much faster because we started to think that maybe we don't need to have our own properties. We don't need to rent our properties long term and we can partner with already existing co-working spaces or hotels. And that's what we are basically doing. So when you are a company and you have, let's say, 40 employees and they are distributed in different offices or they all work remotely, so you need to meet them once a while, once a year or twice a year at some place and everybody can like chat together and you can work on the strategy and brainstorm your products or services, have some drinks and team building activities. And 
Yeah, it's it's very time consuming for the companies to do that. So we we are basically helping them to organize everything and in the way that we standardize a lot the whole experience because this is the market where, where are many like event agencies or travel companies that organize events and they customize every single detail of that event. And we created more like standardized experience that, yeah, we realized that most of our clients, they just want to have like a certain standard of the accommodation. They want to have a good co-working space. They need certain things at that co-working space they want to organize transfers they want this type of activities and we just kind of package it all together without going too much into like details and wasting a lot of time so this way as we standardized the whole experience we were able to to automate large part of the process of the planning of these events and as we automated it, we spend less people. We don't need so many people working on it. So we can provide the experience for, for better price than regular agencies. So that's basically the business model and, and what we do. That's excellent. And that means that you can actually export it to any sort of cool surf destination in the world. Yeah, and we started to scale it to surf destinations, but then, and the business is still called Surf Office, but we have locations in places where there is no, no surf. So we have locations yeah. in, for instance, Mallorca or in US in, in Zion National Park. So there is no surfing, but the experience is kind of, is kind of similar. We realized that surfing is not the crucial part of that whole experience. So we were able to scale it to, to locations where there is no surfing, but surf locations are still the most popular ones, that's for sure. So what's the best ingredients to make a successful sort of team building retreat? I think it's the fact that we are mastering the experience in each location. So we started first with Lisbon, where we focus only on company retreats in Lisbon. And that was our only location where we offered company retreats. And, you know, like when you organize like 30 retreats in that location, 50, 100, you absolutely master the, the whole experience. Like, you know, what are the best activities for the groups? What are the best providers? And you find some patterns how to replicate this experience in other locations. And we tell to our clients when they organize retreat with us that we are not like ad hoc event agency that you tell them that, oh, we want to organize retreat here and there. And they say like, yeah, yeah, of course we can do it for you because any event agency can organize a retreat anywhere around the world. It's not the rocket science, but you are not sure how the experience is going to be. And as these are like, our clients, our companies, they just want to make sure that everything works 100%. You don't want to have 30 people of during your retreat, like waiting for something for 30 minutes, because that's not 30 minutes of the time. It's 30 minutes of 30, 30 people. Time. And, that's, <laughs> yeah. and that's, that's a lot of time. So I think that's, that's one of the things that we really like mastered the whole experience and cut it a lot of unnecessary things because usually the event agencies they go really into detail and try, try to like 
customize every single part of the experience from the food and merchandise and yeah we don't go in such detail so we can guarantee that the same quality for each client mm. and the second thing is that we focus only on this type of clients that we only focus on on companies and especially tech companies 95 percent mm. of our clients are tech companies so I think this is another big difference comparing to traditional even agencies that when you contact them that you want to organize a wedding, they will organize your wedding. If you tell them that you want to organize a conference for 1,000 people, they are going to organize your conference for 1,000 people. But we will tell you, no, we don't organize this type of, <laughs> this type of things. <laughs> so if you are doing one thing, again and again then you master it and i guess that's that's our magic formula that's excellent because there are lots of really cool locations that you offer have you been to all of them or have you got a team abroad that actually manages the other locations i've been in most of them and at some point it was we wanted to expand to more locations and we agreed that we will go to the locations where someone from our our core team already been or lived but we usually focus on that part uh, live mm -hmm. there you know really that the person knows that location and because it also started with server office we started to expand to the locations that where i lived before so okay. it was in canary islands lisbon but i also lived for some time in in california so it was santa cruz there was a location, then the next location was in Barcelona, where I spent some time, and Prague, where I lived before. And okay, I, then I was a bit limited, like, <laughs> these are all the locations where I live, <laughs> we, we need to discover more. But we really focus on, especially in the cities, we uh, organize these retreats, for instance, in the neighborhoods that are more, like, trendy, up-and-coming neighborhoods, we don't want to be in the city center touristic areas and this is difficult to do if you don't know the city you you never live there and in some way you can identify for instance these neighborhoods by some previous experience and some patterns because in some way the cities are all kind of similar but having an experience of living there at least for a couple of months is is always helpful yeah i was wondering with COVID-19 and the fact that a lot more people are actually going to be remote workers, how do you actually see the future of team building and creating a sort of happiness in the workspace? Do you have an opinion on that? Oh, well, my opinion is very influenced by our business. So I'm I'm a bit, <laughs> <laughs> I want to believe that this is the future that people are going to work remotely because that means that they will need to organize more company retreats <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they will need more services like ServOffice. And I see definitely with COVID-19, I definitely see a shift of companies from office to remote. And obviously, like when COVID started, companies applied the remote work policies and everybody worked from home. And after a couple of months working from home, many companies realize like, hey, actually, this is something what we can maybe continue doing. We, we will save money on the, on the office space and we can invest that money into our employees. And we had a couple of companies contacting us like, hey, 
how much is going to cost us to organize three company retreats per year because we are paying this amount of money for the workspace in Berlin and and we want to close the office and we just want to know if this cost what we have for the office will cover uh, three company retreats for for our team and I was like wow okay it's coming <laughs> the future <laughs> which is here yeah because the market what we have been targeting until now the remote companies it has been quite niche and seeing seeing now that big companies like Twitter or Facebook or Shopify are announcing that they are going to be remote, mm. that's a huge thing. A and yeah, I, be I believe that they will need to organize this retreat. That's, that's the answer for for second part of your question that it's really difficult to create this team bonding uh, between colleagues while you are working remotely that's one thing that it's hard it's difficult to replace these moments when you are in the office in the, the company's machine. kitchen <laughs> and having a coffee and chit chat or you go for beers after after work you cannot replace it with the remote work and the second issue what i found like many companies tell me it's difficult to brainstorm it's difficult to create some let's brainstorm new product let's brainstorm new idea you don't have that whiteboard and that magic when you have 10 smart people in the room and you brainstorm the ideas you come with something new after after three or four hours and yes there are tools and they will be they are already very good and they will be better and better to facilitate this online collaboration but i believe that meeting in person is going to be is going to be valuable and, and companies are going to organize this company retreats every three or six months and focusing on these two things, brainstorming strategy and uh, team building. Yeah, that's really interesting. And um, you've got a podcast called More Beach Meetings. So with regards to your podcast or the podcast that you organize at Surf Office, what's the best advice that you've heard from entrepreneurs interviewed in the podcast about team building and creating a, a happy workspace well there are there are many i'm thinking what might be it's very difficult to say what was the what was the best advice i really enjoyed our last episode which was with the day from the company called brains brainstorming it's about brainstorming but the company it's called game storming and so they are gamifying brainstormings and they wrote the book with the same name called game storming and he was sharing his experience how you can create amazing brainstorming for your team and how to build a framework for having productive brainstormings and i really enjoyed that episode because he provided very specific advices and he was focused on like what are the common issues when you are doing brainstorming in the team and when I listened to that podcast, I realized like, oh, all these mistakes <laughs> I'm usually doing. And it's not like I always thought like, oh, I'm good in brainstorming when I'm doing brainstorming with these people, how to facilitate it and so. But yeah, after that podcast, I realized that, oh, there are many things to, mm, to improve. Okay, so we'll put some links in the show notes to the podcast so that people can listen to, to the game storming episode and possibly others. I guess moving on in, in this conversation, I wondered if we could talk a few minutes about the Surfpreneurs Club. Could you tell us what it is? 
Yeah, sure. The Surfpreneurs Club was first as kind of a camp or retreat with 20 surfpreneurs we organized in Lisbon four years ago in 2016. And it started a friend of mine, James, who lived in Lisbon at that time. I lived in Lisbon at the time. We were just meeting a couple of times a week and always talking about surfing and business. And I was complaining like, hey, like I don't know any other people who are in this like surf related business and I would like to meet more. And he said like, yeah, I know a couple of these people. Let's organize something like a meeting for, for a couple of days. We called it camp mm-hmm. and we organized surfpreneur. We called it surfpreneurs camp. And it was just a random idea and interesting people signed it up. There were 20 of us and we had like combination of the talks and masterminds and drinks and surfing together. And it was just like mind blowing. And after that, we created the Facebook group where we added all these people because everybody was interested, like, hey, how we can continue in these conversations? And we created the Facebook group and people started to invite some other surfpreneurs, surf entrepreneurs they know. We started to invite new people. And then after a while, we created a website where people can like read more about about the community and then they can join. And now after four years, to be honest, it was not very, very active. Like we organized few events, like offline events, meetups per year. And recently we started to produce a podcast and doing interviews and it became much more active. And yeah, the goal of this community is to help anyone who has a surf related business. It can be even a non-profit organization related to surfing to start or to grow. But we focus mainly on people who are, who already have something and they just need to move forward. They need to, they need to grow. And I realized that there is not much content in this area. Like if you want to start the surf camp or you want to scale your surf camp business or you want to start the, some physical product for surfers, there is a lot of content online targeting the, the consumers, right? Like about surfing, where are the best ways or how mm. to choose the best surfboard. But there are not really these business-related questions and answers for people who would like to start the surf business or they already started and they are struggling. Right, right. That's really cool. And how do you actually join the Surfpreneurs Club? How people can join? Yeah. Just go to the website surfpreneurs.club and you fill out the the application form that is on the website. It's that simple. It's free. We don't charge anything. There is just one restriction that we accept only people who already started surf related business right and they have some business and they have existing websites so that's the only only limitation excellent that's really good so for the NAE sort of surfpreneurs listening to us right now they can actually log on to your, your website and join the club that's really cool yeah are there any events or things planned in the near future as i said we over the last years we always organize a couple of offline events, uh, meetups in Europe and and in Australia. Mm -hmm. 
And now, because of COVID-19, it was not possible to organize any meetups. So we started to experiment with Zoom meetups, Zoom calls. And yeah, it has been fun so far. We organized, I think, five of them. They are always focused on some specific topic. So usually it's or targeting the hospitality surfpreneurs or product e-commerce surfpreneurs. And I think we are going to continue with them until the situation with COVID-19 is not going to be somehow resolved. And after that, we would like to organize again some offline meetups where people can meet together, but also have have some beers. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Just before we sort of wrap things up, I wondered if we could talk about your cabin business. Is that cabin fascinating? Business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not business yet. It's still like in the idea development stage. It was at the time when I moved to Ericeira, the small Portuguese surf village, for a couple of months, and I worked from there remotely, and I rented there an apartment and on the edge of the village and I was so amazed by the experience like living in the because before I always lived in the cities and it, this was my first time I actually lived somewhere in the countryside and I realized that oh you can get very good internet these days almost anywhere and I started to think about how to replicate this experience and I always been like obsessed by cabins and building like some cabins cottages and I came to this idea that let's build a co-working cabin so it's designed not only for, <laughs> it's not designed only for for sleeping but you have actually like productive workspace for two people so I built I built mine last year by my own I, I had help of mm -hmm. the architect and uh, construction guy helped me to build it I was just like the idea idea guy but the main concept is that it's very small cabin that it's possible it was designed the way that it's possible to transport it on highway anywhere in Europe without special permits so just by having a trailer you can just move it by using a track to anywhere in Europe and put it anywhere so it's transportable and the second requirement was that there is a space to work and in such a small cabin like how to build the space for work there is a mechanism that it's kind of like reassembling the bed where you're sleeping and it creates a space for work during the day and then again during the night you you make it again as a bedroom so Excellent. that was the idea and, and it's already also a, a real cabin that I built mm -hmm. and I've been now playing with some ideas how to replicate it or what to actually do <laughs> with that. I was a bit naive because of before of starting how easy it is to build it and how easy it is to build it on scale but I have learned hard way that it's not so easy so I'm <laughs> trying to figure out all the all the challenges around it. That's amazing. And so what's the difference between your cabin and a tiny home or a van sort of thing? Mm -hmm. I always been influenced by this. It's very popular in US, this tiny, tiny house movement. And these are usually the houses on the wheels. Mm -hmm. So they're quite easy to transport anywhere. And 
you basically don't need to have a permit to install them somewhere because they are vehicles they are not they are not real houses but this was very well in in us where the restrictions of having such a tiny house it's not difficult to get the permit for your tiny house as a vehicle and you can move with that in europe like it's very very difficult to get a permit for mm. for a tiny house and that's why it makes much more sense to build it as a house not as a vehicle and the last category you mentioned is the rv or some van that it's basically a it's an automobile yeah. it's a car it has a motor and you can move it i wanted to build from the beginning a house from Something wood from scratch yeah and it's beautiful actually i'll put the photos in the show notes on the website Thank you. Yeah, it really is superb. And I love the way that the slats are diagonal at the front. That gives a really sort of modern touch to it. It's beautiful. So where is it now? Is it still in Ericera? No, it's in Ericera, I just had this idea. The house was built in my home country in Slovakia. And it's there. And I installed it in the, in the garden of my mom. So when I'm visiting her, when I'm back in Slovakia, because I live in Netherlands, so when I'm visiting her, I'm staying in that house. So Excellent. it's my house when, when I'm visiting my family. <laughs> and what was the most complicated space to design? The most complicated space was that area with the, with the workspace and the bed. And that was probably the most difficult part because there is also, there is also a little kitchen and, yeah, to put everything like on such a small space is is quite challenging, and you have to you have to really think like where you build the door because you put door somewhere, and it means that in that area you cannot put anything else. And I now understand why so many people who build a tiny house they try to build another one, another one mm -hmm. because in like with second or third version you can build much better product because mm -hmm. you just learn so many so many things when you do it for the first time you can learn a lot on internet from different people and if you work with the architect you can get a lot of insights but you still after you finish it you still have like hundreds of ideas what you could do differently and, and better yeah because things like the bathroom you've got a shower and a toilet and a wash basin in sort of in a tiny space must be what a meter by two meters or something like that it's a really small space how big is your bathroom it's very small <laughs> i wouldn't call it how big it is how small it is <laughs> yeah it's just big enough to fit one person we made a hack that we kind of like put all the parts of the bathroom to one corner what means that i would definitely make bathroom now differently mm. that was the part i didn't consider as so important when we were building it and now i see that it's very crucial and one thing i didn't realize it about the bathroom is the heating system that it would be very nice to have uh, floor heating in the bathroom because during the winter you cannot put any device to the bathroom because it's just too small and it's humid so you cannot put like external heating system so the only way how to heat it is basically to install the the floor heating what is of course impossible once you have it done <laughs> and because i got this idea when i was using the bathroom so it was finished but it was not 
so pleasant during the winter when there were minus temperature outside that the main living area of the cabin was heated but when i entered the the bathroom it was like oh freezing <laughs> i had very i had very short showers <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Anyway, I guess we're about to park the bus before we we end this discussion, which has been really, really insightful, and I'm I'm sure that our listeners will love the the insights that you've given about team building and about surfpreneurs and about building a cabin. I just wanted to have your insight on surfing. Who inspired you to surf in the first place? Yeah, it was my first surfing was when I lived in Barcelona at the time I was doing their internship. And a friend of mine came to visit me, was just asking me, hey, Peter, can I come for like two weeks? I would like to, I was during the summer, he wanted to travel. And I said like, yeah, sure, I have the spare bed in my, in my bedroom that I rented in Barcelona. And yeah, after he came, he started to pitch me this idea to go by bus from Barcelona to San Sebastian. Oh my gosh. And then cross the border and go to Biarritz oh and he told me that he tried to serve there he served there for the first time like the last summer it was amazing experience and we should do it together and we should go there as well and I would definitely love surfing and I was like I was a bit skeptical when I looked on the map that it's, it's from place. Barcelona to Biarritz this is quite far and <laughs> yeah it was definitely a memorable trip so we did exactly how i described the bus from san sebastian to biaris by train and well it was more complicated <laughs> that there is a train to other town and then by bus and we were very poor so we biaris one of the <laughs> the posh area of friends right like <laughs> yes. it's a surf it's a surf hub but there people are also going there to play poker in casino and uh, <laughs> it's definitely not a budget location yeah. <laughs> for 20 years old student without without budget so we stayed in in some campsite rented the surfboard and we we're just like walking with these surfboards every day for 45 hours, one direction, oh 45 minutes, one direction <laughs> and 45 minutes, another direction to the beach called the Basque. Oh yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, and was definitely like one of my favorite surf experiences, that first one, that first we spent there one week because it was just a magic place. The waves were very good. It's supposed to be one of the best beaches in Europe for learning to surf. We had great weather and, and yeah, since then I've been surfing in that area at least like eight or nine wow. times, times like Biarritz, Hosegor. Mm -hmm. I really, really like it. I, I was just hooked. I was <laughs> hooked and I understood very quickly. For me, surfing was, yeah, it started as a sport, but it very quickly became a a way to travel so I just adjusted all my travel plans to surfing like why I would go somewhere where you cannot surf <laughs> <laughs> and surfing together and traveling together with friends and then I realized that surfing is for me some way to meditate some people do yoga or they meditate I realized that for me meditation is being in the water and waiting for waves yeah yeah it's the blue mind <laughs> Uh, that's fantastic. And so I guess I've got four questions that I like to ask my guests at the end of the episode. It's basically sentences that you finish. Would you be up for that? 
Sure, let's yeah. do it. So the first sentence is, I love. Surfing. <laughs> <laughs> I miss. Mountains. <laughs> I wish. To start surfing earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and I want. I want to visit Peru. Wow, nice. Actually, as a matter of fact, whilst we were having this conversation, I was thinking of Unleash Surf, which I interviewed, like one of my first interviews a couple of years ago. And every year they hold a co-working experience in Huanchaco in Peru. And they have created a co-working space and a co-living space where they rent apartments all around and they, they organize all sorts of things within the co-working space and show, help you visit the place and learn to cook, all sorts of things like that. And um, I'm sure that you'd, you'd find some synergies there for your business. So I'll drop you the, the details at the end of the episode. I don't know if yeah. you've heard of them already. Have you heard of them? No, I haven't heard of them. When I mentioned the name of the company, I thought that it sounded like a, a leash company. <laughs> yeah, so it's Unleash Surf. Yeah, that's really interesting. So what are your plans for the next few months? I think nobody can say now what their plans for the next few months because of the COVID-19. And so I'm based in general plans are I'm based in, in Amsterdam, in Netherlands, and I would like to serve as much as possible on the local spots here. And if it's possible to travel to surrounding countries to maybe rent a van or mini caravan and spend some some days in the nature or the mountains in Germany or the coast in France. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. So, well, thank you, Peter, for being my guest today. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. For the listeners, could you remind us of your social media or how to get hold of you? Uh, yeah. I'm quite active on, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. My ID handle on Twitter is Saborio. Mm-hmm. And then I have the website, personal blog website with the newsletter with my name, peterfaber.com. And yeah, you can find me also on, on LinkedIn and Instagram if you Google my name. Okay, then we'll put this all in the show notes as well. Okay, then, Peter, well, take care. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ciao. Well, I hope you enjoyed our exchange today. As this episode drops on Monday morning, I guess there's nothing like a bit of team building tips to get you going. You can reach out to Peter at Surf Office and at Surfpreneurs Club on Instagram, LinkedIn and on Facebook and I will be posting links to both sites and social media in the show notes that you can find on your podcast app or on theoceanriderspodcast.com. You can also find some really cool photos of Peter on my website theoceanriderspodcast.com and I'll be posting a few pictures as well on Instagram to put a face to the story you've just heard. The Ocean Riders podcast is a one-woman show and a passion project, so if you like what you're hearing, please help me out. First, you can subscribe, rate and review my podcast on Apple Podcasts. Beyond making me super happy, this also lets other listeners know what to expect and gets my rankings up in the charts. Second, you can send me some feedback or let me know if you liked or hated an episode. Uh, You can also contact me if you'd like to set up an interview with you or one of your friends. So let me know by contacting me on either Facebook, Instagram or sending me an email 
to hello at theoceanriderspodcast.com. And last but not least, if you'd like to take your support one step further, you can help me pay my bills by checking out my online merch store. The link to it is theoceanridersshop.com, all in one word, and you'll find a delightful selection of custom-made organic t-shirts and goodies that won't break the bank, but will really help me pay for my subscription fees and awesome editor Leng Inky. Anyway, don't forget to follow me on Instagram or on Facebook and join the community on our Facebook group. It's called the Ocean Riders Community. And don't hesitate to share anything like job offers, any news, anything that you're excited about that has something to do with surfing. Anyway, that said, thank you ever so much for listening. And thank you, Peter, for being my guest today. Until next episode, take care, have fun and enjoy the waves. Ciao. 